Yeah, so welcome to Chapa Bell Curve, um, a show about <laughs> a show about uh, about a pig. Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. And today we are going to talk about the upcoming, we'll call it, I, I've seen it called the Hot Dog Bowl. I've seen it called Hot Dog Bowl. Pitmaster Competition. I've seen it called the World's Wampinest Football Game by me. <laughs> uh, we're here to talk about the upcoming, I was going to say nuptials because you say that a lot, but the upcoming, the upcoming matchup between... Yeah, you know, upcoming nuptials, it's kind of a common phrase. Yeah. Anyway, b- between oh, you your, okay. your second-ranked University of Georgia Bulldogs and their eighth-ranked or ninth-ranked University of Arkansas Razorbacks. So we will start today as we start every preview well, with talking about some subjective narratives. Justin, do you want to Yeah. Do you want to hit me? Do you want to hit me with some subjective narratives, some news, some history? Oh yeah. What do we got? I'll say just off the top, like I'm already, we're in a weird place because the subjective narratives have gotten significantly less negative about Georgia (laughs) and I don't know what to do with my hands. Uh, They've been very much like, I was expecting them to come around as Georgia kind of like tops all of these different rankings and all these different stat sheets and people are going to be like, oh, we'll see what happens. But uh, it really hasn't been like that, oddly enough. Um I, I imagine if this game goes in a direction that we don't want it to go in, then it, it may go back to that. But I've just been very surprised with how affirming the subjective narratives are. Well, out I there think currently. I think we've been we've been too good to not. Uh, it's hard to troll us with anything, but oh, 1980 right now. You know what I mean? I think we're playing uh-huh. we're playing so far above past the right of the bell curve that or left or whatever, depending on your axis. We've been playing so far outside of the edge of what even statistics have predicted that I think it's hard to, it's hard to really talk crap about it. Yeah, it is very odd. But anyway, you know, speaking of these these dogs being so good, uh, Georgia Southern fired their head coach this past weekend, mm-hmm. and so uh, there is a lot of speculation and talk of how uh, Del McGee could be headed down to Georgia Southern to uh, pick up the mantle of the head coach. Uh, just because his ties bring him back to Georgia Southern. He was actually their interim in 2015 for a little while. He was also, mm-hmm. I believe he was also their running backs coach as well. Um, and he just has a, a, it would make sense to bring in uh, the kind of running backs coach that has coached these running backs, these Georgia running backs. He's been around for several years at this point. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to be the kind of guy, I would be surprised if they didn't at least try and offer him the job. Uh, and so that's something to be concerned about, but. Uh, what are so, your thoughts yeah. there? I mean, okay. So first of all, you can't underestimate the job that I, I think we often, we, I say we can't, but I think we often do underestimate the job that Del McGee has done. You know, he is a guy who has been a really good recruiter, a really great developer of talent. Georgia has had, as you said, very consistent success at the running back position. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously this year, the whole team's identity is not revolve around the run game, but we're still getting a lot of really good production. I think, you know, it's not been a secret that he's been looking for a head coaching job, and I think deservedly so. He's also UGA's run mm-hmm. game coordinator. He's worked with some of the best recruiters in the business. He's worked with – I mean, he knows how the sausage is made. I, I think 
if he was offered it, he would take it. I think there are sort of two things. Well, I think they would be smart to offer him, but I don't know that they will. The reason they will be smart is because I actually think that Del McGee could sort of be like Georgia Southern's Jeff Trailer. Uh, Georgia Southern is not at the point that UTSA was when they hired, hired Jeff Trailer. They've had some real success, but uh, UTSA hired Trailer, and it was he was just a guy who knew like every high school coach in the state, and he was able to go in and get really good intelligence on these kids who. We're not getting recruited by Texas or Texas A&M or Texas Tech, but we're really good football players. And he's made, you know, a very quick ascent through the co- the names of the hot coaching searches, you know, nationally hot. because he was able to work those in-state connections to great effect. And I think, you know, Del McGee is a former coach at Carver Columbus. He's a guy who understands what it's like to be black in Georgia. Uh, you know, I don't mm-hmm. think you can underestimate Which that. Which is not to be and, underestimated, yeah. Yeah, and, and so I think you would be dumb not to try to hire him. Now, there's two reasons you wouldn't. One is, you know, obviously black coaches don't get hired at the same rate as white coaches. Now, that's nothing against Georgia Southern. I'm not, I have no inside information about their sort of relative biases towards racially or whatever. It's just like, that's a national fact. Two, and I think this is the more relevant thing, is Georgia Southern has kind of been up its own ass about running the triple option ever since Paul Johnson mm-hmm. was there, which, you know, that makes sense. They won a couple of then Division II titles. They made sort of a seamless jump up to FBS football. They came in that first year with App, and they just beat ass the whole time. I mean, they they were an ass-beaten team, right? Like mm-hmm. the old Nick Saban quote, like they run through, our, they run through us like uh, shit through a tin horn, man, right? Um, that is about Georgia Southern, right? Georgia Southern came to the FBS. They took Alabama to the wire, ran for like 350 yards on them and they beat Florida. Right. And so there's a lot of reason to have a touch bit attachment to that sort of flex bone, uh, sort of triple option offense. But I think that there's, well, not, I think like there's no amount, there's no DNA for that in Del McGee's, uh, Del McGee's coaching resume recently. Right. If they're smart, they'll give him the keys and they'll get out of his way. And I think he'll do a really good job and he can work some of the same. I mean, I think Jeff Trailer is the blueprint here. Right. And and so I uh-huh. think I think that Del McGee can do that. I think Del McGee is actually more proven right now than Trailer is as a recruiter. That dude can recruit the hell out of Georgia. If you look at who he's the area recruiter on on this current roster. I mean, it's like right now he was the lead recruiter uh, per 24 seven on two of um georgia's current recruits branson robinson who is a four or five star running back and jordan james who is another four star running back uh his current average on two commits is 95.29 he's added 47 points to the class if you look at some of the people that he's been the area recruiter for or the head recruiter for we're talking justin fields zamir white jamari sawyer project jones brenton cox uh, we're talking DeAndre Swift, Smile Mondin, Dominique Blaylock, Branson Robinson, Andrew Thomas, James Cook, Kendall Milton. These are dudes who, like, Georgia doesn't win any of the games that it's won this year without some of these dudes, right? So I, I think uh, I, I think that they would be dumb not to offer him. Now, if you oh, listen yeah. to Split Zone Duo who uh which has uh a very good podcast that also that has Stephen godfrey whose parents went to georgia southern and came up in sort of that georgia southern fan community he will tell you that georgia southern's athletic department has been pretty sort of usd style incestuous lately where they want like a quote-unquote georgia southern guy so in that sense i think 
Del McGee makes the absolute most sense because he's been on those staffs at Georgia Southern in the past. But it's like they just have to get over being in the triple option because it's just not the advantage that it used to be. Right. They have mm-hmm. to get a good recruiter up there. So that's what I think. I think he would he would he would take it. I think it'd be dumb not to offer him. But God only knows. Oh, yeah. Uh, next piece that's coming in is uh, everyone's a little bit excited, just a tiny bit excited about the return of Darnell Washington and Tyke Smith. And I think that you have plenty to say about these positions and, and kind of what they'll bring. I mean, I'm mostly curious about just our tight end rotation, I guess, with, with moving Washington back in there and just our receiver rotation. So what sort of things can we expect with these uh, big returns, these impact players coming back to us, you think? Well, I mean, I think the sexier the sexier of the two is obviously Darnell. Um, he's a guy who we've seen on the field mm-hmm. already. He is a, I mean, physically, talent-wise, I mean, just about, there's nothing, there's no hyperbole big enough for him, what he's done on the field. And just what he looks like out there is a 6'7 guy who can run. I think the most impactful of the two is probably going to be Tyke Smith. Tyke Smith backfills some areas of needs, right? David Daniel has gotten hurt. Uh, and is coming back. We've had kind of a thin safety core. We've been playing Dan Jackson as a backup, as a third safety, which I don't think we want to do. I think that at the very least that Tyke Smith slides in as that third safety guy or a mm-hmm. safety who needs to come down in the box. I think that Tyke Smith might take some playing time from Latavius Brenny too as well. I mean, I think he can play the star. Um, he was an All-American, right? And so I don't think you can underestimate the impact of adding an All-American back to a defense that's already the best defense in the nation. Now, whether or not either of these guys will be ready for prime time, who knows? I mean, I I, I tend to think that long-term Tyke Smith is the bigger addition, that but mm-hmm. that the the short-term returns might be more in Darnell Washington's uh more on Darnell Washington just because of his sort of familiarity with the system and the relative ease of fitting in a skill position. I I mean, the thing you can expect from Darnell Washington, and we've touched on sort of the the tight end blocking being sort of subpar this year. The thing you can expect from Darnell Washington is that he uh. He, well, A, he is an absolute night matchup nightmare. He's six, seven. Mm-hmm. He can catch balls over guys. He, he doesn't have to jump up to moss people. He just regularly reaches above their heads like they're little babies and, and catches the ball. And, you know, he can really block. Like he, if you look at some of his Arkansas tape from his first game last year, he was like one arm blocking dudes into the ground several times. So I think he will be an asset in the run game. I think he'll be an asset in the pass game. I think you can expect to see an, a metric crap ton of 12 personnel with him and and bowers on the field at the same time although it might not even Mm -hmm. be 12 personnel technically if i don't know what the distinction is if you have you know one of the tight ends in the slot or whatever but i I know Mm -hmm. if he's in the flex it's still 12 i think we can expect to see a lot of that i think Mm -hmm. the darnell washington i mean look if you look at this defense they are very good they have some very 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 good players but you know i they have some heavy hitters at inside linebacker, but they have some old school inside linebackers and outside linebackers, Hurst and Bumper Pool, who are like A, threats for a targeting penalty that gets them kicked out of the games at all time, and B, uh, just can be liabilities in coverage. So I think your your short term return is probably Darnell Washington. And long term, I think, like, you know, does UJ win the national championship this year? You know, Tyke Smith, I think, is going to be a big piece of that. Yeah. Will you talk a little bit more about 12 personnel and what that looks like and what it actually does to the game? Yeah, so 12 personnel. So when we use these number systems, uh, the first number, the first digit, whenever we're talking about personnel uh, formations is always the number of running backs. The second number is the number of tight ends. Uh, mm-hmm. But with those two numbers, we can in you know determine the number of wide receivers, right? So 12 personnel would be one running back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. Uh, you know, the, the 
the the distinction is a little gets a little fuzzy when you have a second tight end like Brock Bowers who is functionally a wide receiver, um, even if he's going to line up at the end of the line tight a lot of the time. But I mean, okay, so here's what that does to the game. Well, if you have a tight end who can catch, which clearly Georgia has two, uh, it really opens up what you can do in the playbook in terms of run versus pass uh, ratio because. 12 personnel is a traditional heavy personnel set where you're going to run the ball out of power because you have extra blockers on the field who are, have the size to you know match up with linebackers as opposed to wide receivers. Mm-hmm. But if you have guys who can catch out of that, then you really put the uh, you put the defense in a position where it has to basically pick, you know, who do they cover? Oftentimes RPOs mm-hmm. out of 12 personnel are kind of brutal because with the heavy per, with the heavy with heavy personnel on the field, you can put one of the tight ends in a one of the tight ends into the pattern and one of the tight ends blocking and still force the issue on RPO and just make them basically cover somebody. Um, yeah. I think it makes George's defense even harder to predict. I think, you know, there's no, I don't think there's a world in which we just stop throwing the ball to Brock Bowers because it's like, why would you at this point? Mm-hmm. But I also think that this gives us, I think it'll give us a leg up in the run game. I think the run game is going to get better as we settle in on the offensive line. And I think having a run blocking, I mean, basically threat at as Darnell Washington um you know Darnell Washington's rep as a blocker is that when he's engaged he's really good I can't imagine after four weeks off that he's not engaged I I think that you know we will run the ball better because he's on the field either as a a a very very good decoy who takes a linebacker who takes like linebackers full attention or as just an inline blocker hmm I'm very excited about 12 personnel because we talk about it a lot on the show. The idea of you have, to, you have to make your opponent predictable and it's incredibly difficult to have a game against a team that is really effective when using RPOs because they have so many targets on the field. Uh, you, you basically kind of go down your, it's like a flow chart almost with the, uh, the quarterback at that point of figuring out what he sees defensively and then checks off like, which of my guys, which of my many, many good boys right here are going to be the ones that I that I throw the ball to or hand the ball off. And it seems like, as we have uh, joked about, we become a, a pass-first offense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that may continue going. But I think that we'll, we can talk a little bit more about it going into um, the, the stats portion of the game, uh, or the stats portion of the episode, because I understand that uh, this Arkansas defense plays what I have learned is called an umbrella defense, and it seems to be str- uh, particularly effective against uh, what we may be doing, uh, if, if I understand correctly, just in the sense that it, it allows for a lot of contain, which is going to be what anybody's trying to do, but it, it remains incredibly difficult still to contain athletes when you have so many the depth that georgia does and so yeah uh, can you talk a little bit further do, do you have anything to say i guess about the the umbrella defense in in this specific game in this context well yeah in the texas a&m arkansas game they're called an umbrella a lot i mean basically what you're saying is that they're very committed they're very committed to a three down lineman front they run three down linemen most of the time they often run them not in what we would call like a money set or what a, what Georgia would call like mint or tight set um, because that's a four down front. But they also they often run their two outside lines linemen outside of the tackle and then a nose to a nose tackle straight up on the center or shaded to the play side, depending on sort of the, the particular play call. Uh, when we say they run an umbrella defense, what they basically mean is they're running cloud zone a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that. I have not done enough sort of like statistic or not statistical schematic breakdown on Arkansas to tell you if they're running like 
zone pattern match or uh, zone match or man match. But I, I think from what I watched that they were running a lot of pure zone and a lot of zone match. So uh, mm-hmm. zone match is sort of a, let me see, how can I put this? Zone match is almost like rotation in uh, basketball defense, where basically you have you have guys in traditional drop zone spots where they go to their spot and then they wait for the guy to come into their zone. But depending on what pattern is run by the offense, you rotate and cover different parts of the field. So you know your linebacker might buzz to and buzz to, or drop to a spot on the strong side of the formation. And if he sees a guy in the flat, he comes down and runs buzz coverage and tries to cover that guy. And if he sees a guy come up the scene, he tries to pick that guy up coming into it. So when we say umbrella, what we're really talking about is three down linemen and a lot of guys standing up. Um, that can mm-hmm. look a couple of ways. It can look a bunch of different ways. Sometimes it's too high safety. Sometimes you're playing straight up Tampa two. Uh, I think what Arkansas is clearly their plan against Texas A&M was they were going to force Texas A&M to throw it underneath and then they were going to hit like crazy, right? That's the old, like the, the EDSBS joke about Arkansas is that they do wampin. And like, that's <laughs> sort of like, that sort of su- sums it up. Like they want you to throw the ball left to right. They want you to take those check downs. They want you to throw it over the middle and they want to hit the shit out of you, right? Um, that is a tendency that I know that Georgia has seen. And it's something that, you know, they basically are taking everybody in front of them they're putting everything in front of them and trying not to give up a deep play. That is mm. possible to do because, you know, they have Jaden Catalan, who is arguably the best, uh, arguably the best uh, corner defensive back in the country there. I mean, I think he is sort of there are NFL scouts who think he's a first round pick. Um, you know, they have some really good players. Hayden Hurst is an outside linebacker. who's Hunter Hurst or is Hunter Hurst. I know they got one of the Hearst brothers as an outside <laughs> linebacker who looks really good. They've got Bumper Pool, who's you know just like a big. I mean, they have some really good players who will run and hit. I'm not sure that they have like the. I'm not sure that they have quite the speed and the ability to cover. Um, they have some really good player that in their in their linebacking core that we do, uh, but I don't think anybody does. I think that you know there are some matchup advantages that Georgia can kind of try to exploit exploit in that linebacking core. Um, I think, you know, you've got guys like Jalen Williams, who is uh, a defensive lineman who's really good for them. Uh, I think their defense is legit, right? Uh, per EPA, mm-hmm. they have the number four ranked EPA defense in the nation. Number 10 success rate, 34 explosiveness, 14 stuff rate. So they, they, they are legit. They played the 33rd hardest schedule to this point this year. Um, and you know, they've proven that they can shut down an offense that doesn't have the ability to take the top off of it. Right. And they have Jaden Catalan back there to try to save them when the top does get taken off of it. Do you want me to go over their offense or just, I was going to say, yeah, I think it's probably time to, to hop in some stats. I was going to say that really the, 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 the only, the, the last few subjective narrative pieces I, I could share with you before we get into the, the real nitty gritty of it all is, uh, the Winsipedia of this is is that this team uh this is a a matchup that's only been it's only happened actually 15 times in in the history of this matchup in this series uh Georgia wins 11 times out of the four uh to Arkansas's four excuse me and uh like the last few games because you know our, our season started kind of quote-unquote slow uh, at least when compared to each of these uh different dynasties that we've played against these uh, dynastic teams but uh, what the the Winsipedia does not say is is just how much Sam Pittman's 
genuinely turned this program around in the last two years. Like this is his second year as a head coach and he took over from Chad Morris who had back to back two 10 seasons. <laughs> and so it's pretty, uh, pretty substantial the, the success that he's had already with this Arkansas team. But I would, uh, I would love it if you could walk us through some more of that delicious statsy goodness to kind of explain a little bit further about what Sam Pittman has actually done. All right. Well, before I get too deep into the, into the paint here, I do want to say that, uh, it is um, – I love Sam Pittman. Like, he's one of the few famous coaches mm-hmm. that I've actually met. I found him, like, a joy to be around. He was just, I don't know, the sweetest, most down-to-earth guy. I loved him when he was at Georgia. I love him now. So, I, I wish him no will ill. I mean, I hope we beat him, like, 60 to nothing. But him, personally, oh, yeah, I sure. have no problem with. Um, you know, before we get into the stats, depth chart, I mean, you've got those guys we talked about on defense – I think one of the interesting things about this defensive line, uh, Markel Utzi um, is number zero. Mm-hmm. I think he's like their nose tackle. He looked he looked really good. He's a redshirt senior. Uh, Trey Williams is a redshirt senior. He's a defensive end. And then John Ridgeway is ninety nine is a is a redshirt senior who is their defensive tackle. Um, you know those guys are two fifty five, two ninety, three twenty. So this is a I guess moderately beefy offensive line. So it'll be interesting. I think just from a matchup yeah. perspective, seeing how UGA tries to combat that. Um, what do we need to know about this team before we get into the offense? Obviously the, the offense or before we get into the stats, the offense runs through KJ Jefferson. He is sort of like oh, yeah. people call him baby cam. He's a redshirt sophomore this year. One of the things you'll see that is a, is sort of a, a pattern in these Arkansas players is that there's a lot of seniors on this team. Um, he looks really good. I mean, He's a dude who can run. He's big. He can get downhill. He can throw a good, he throws a nice deep ball. Not necessarily your prototypical pocket efficiency passer, but you know, he's a guy who's looked really good on the year. Absolutely tough, like just totally lit the lit up uh, Texas A&M in several ways. Yeah. Traylon Smith is their big running back. Uh, he's a redshirt senior. Um, he's not that big, but he's a very good player. Um, you know, wide receiver wise, like the guy is Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks is a guy that they ta- they target. You know, he had like two thirds of the receiving yards against Texas A&M and that's because they target him. And this is an offense that looks very, you know, it's a, it's a, um, Kendall Bryles who should not have a job is their offensive coordinator, but he's good, very good offensive coordinator. And actually I think in some ways that this offense looks a little bit more like not, not schematically, but just in its aesthetics, this offense looks very much like a vintage, like Gus Malzahn offense more than it looks like a Bryles offense in the sense that they are definitely running to pass. And once they get going on you getting downhill and they're getting efficient chunks of yardage, then they throw it deep to Traylon Burke. Um, it's it's a plan that works. And when you can run efficiently, it's a plan that's really hard to stop. I think one of the big matchups in this game is UGA to this point in the year has had the best run defense in the nation on by pretty much every metric. Yeah, and I think far. one of the big questions in the game is, you know, what? I think that this is a very good defense that UGA can find some holes in. This is also an offense that, you know, will light you up if you don't play fundamentally sound, gap sound, run contain defense, right? And UGA historically has had problems with running quarterbacks. I don't know that's necessarily going to be a problem this year, but, you know, it's something to just think about. So in terms of advanced stats, we got. I'm going to go over a few, and then I'm going to introduce a new thing that we made uh-huh. for, for all of you. So... Uh, in terms of our tradi- more attrish- traditional advanced metrics, um, UGA, you know, basically when UGA has the ball, Arkansas pretty much has the ranking advantage. 
in every uh, category. Um, and the same is true when Arkansas has the ball. Arkansas defensively mm-hmm. is fourth in EPA, 10th in uh, success rate, 34th in explosiveness rate, 14th in stuff rate, 13th in line yards rank, 17th in rush EPA, 5th in pass EPA, 20th in standard downs, 4th in pass downs. They are the 34th ranked Havoc ranked team. The only reason, the only real place that rank wise that UJ has the advantage is in Havoc ranked surrendered, where they've only surrendered like three sacks on the year. I think it's the 22nd ranked mm-hmm. Havoc ranked offense to this year. UJ has shown a lot of improvement offensively. Uh, some sort of things that stand out to me 14th pass EPA, 29th overall EPA, 42nd success rate, 49th ex- um, explosiveness rate. So, you know, a gap defensively, but certainly not a massive gap in the rankings. And those rankings don't tell this whole story in terms of just like how sliced out people are in their ranks. It's just like sort of a big overview. Um, you know, the real sort of thing, I- I'm not sure that this is a game where UGA gets right on the in on its rush game. I think that we might run the ball in important spots with with efficiency. But, you know, right now, UGA is the 108th ranked rush EPA team and Arkansas is the 17th ranked uh, rush defense. So obviously, if we take the Clemson game out, which I'm kind of interested to do these stats with UGA and take out the Clemson mm-hmm. game, um, if you take the Clemson game stats out, I think this team looks better offensively, but it's not, you know, I don't think that that really takes away anything from Arkansas. You know, similarly, when Arkansas has the ball, they're the 43rd ranked EBA uh, offense, you know, versus UGA's 29, so a little bit worse. 55th success rate, 67th uh, explosiveness rate, 109th stuff rate rank. That's the one number that really stands out to me in this. Um, they're, they're, they're giving up 20, 21% of their runs go for zero, one or two yards. That's interesting. 67th line yard rank. You know, those two ranks are pretty low. Uh, they could be because of their run usage. They're just running the ball a lot. 29th rush EPA, 21st pass EPA, 36th standard down, 56th pass down, 46th havoc. If we look at UGA, the ranks are, and I'm not going to identify them all. The ranks are on UTA's defense. One, one, three, 28, seven, one, 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 31, 19, and one. 31 yeah. is passed down EPA, and that's by far the lowest, and that's still above average. That's in the top quartile. This is the best defense in the mm-hmm. nation. I don't think it's particularly close, honestly. Um, strength of schedule, resume rank. UGA right now is has is played the 50th hardest schedule. Arkansas has played the 33rd. Uh, we were fourth last week, but then Clemson had to lose to North, uh, North Carolina State, and here we are, those assholes. So... Can I can I ask you with the pass down rank, uh, the EPA rank, does that have anything to do with this? Honestly, the small sample size for Georgia's defense uh, in pass downs. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I mean it, it absolutely I think that's, does. That has to be what it is, right? You, well, I mean, yes and no. Like on the one hand, UJ just hasn't defended a lot of plays right this year mm-hmm. because they've had a lot of three and outs. On the other hand, they have put their opponents in a lot of pass down situations now. Their pass down EPA is lower than normal, but their pass down success rate is very, very good because, yeah. you know, they don't let you get a first yard coming out into a passing down very often. And you're right, you know, relative to most teams, they haven't faced many pass downs because they haven't faced many. They've had a lot of three and outs, right? Okay. Yeah. So to me, if we look at our, you know, sort of our traditional way of doing it, where we just look at, you know, advanced metrical rankings and we just kind of get an eyeball for what are the footprints of these two teams. To me, this looks like a hard fought relatively low scoring battle, maybe not like 28, 20, 40 points total, but I, I think you could hit the over in this game, but I don't, I don't think that the winning team is going to have more than 31 points at most. Right. I think that this is a game probably that's going to be in the twenties. Um, I think this is a game where it's like two very good teams with two similar metrical strengths, two similar strengths uh, statistically, 
but UGA on both sides of the ball, like UGA's offense is better than Arkansas's offense. UGA's defense is better than Arkansas's defense. In many ways, these two teams, while they don't have the same uh, offensive profile, they are very similar in terms of strengths and weaknesses right now, right? Um, Obviously, Arkansas runs a little better. UGA passes better. But in terms of just like we lean on the defense, the defense is the strength of the team and it all builds out from there. These are two teams that are both kind of doing that. The two teams that will hit the shit out of you. They're two teams that <laughs> want to hurt you, want to make you quit, right? Like Sam Pittman is friends with Kirby Smart. Like the whole like keep chopping, that shit is in Sam Pittman's locker room too, right? So um, I, I think you're going to see two teams where it's like a Spider-Man meme but it's like the Spider-Man, but one of the Spider-Men is just like a little burlier than the other, basically, yeah, right now. Just seven inches taller than the other. Yeah, exactly. So before we get to, <laughs> before we get to subjective stuff, I want to talk about one more advanced stat, which is that uh-huh. today we are debuting the uh, what we're calling the beta version of our CBC R squared, which is yeah. CBC, which stands for Chapel Bell Curve R squared. It is our it is our uh, power ranking sort of relative EPA ranking um, system. It uses a bunch of different stats, including SRS, Simple Ranking System, which is an open source stat that's very good. Uh, and it basically depends, and what it spits out is, um, it uses a preseason formula and an in-season formula to spit out net points added. So net estimated points added for each team. And it gives you an, an estimate for how many points above the average team is this team. Okay, so right now in our... Uh, CBC R squared beta. Uh, right now, UGA is in the number one spot. Our right. top ten, as of this moment, as of week four, Buffalo our top Bulls. ten. No, <laughs> D- damn it, Buffalo! Thank God <laughs> we fixed we fixed Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo is now seventieth. Thank God. Okay, so we have Georgia at number one, Alabama at number two, Michigan number four, Florida number five, then Cincinnati, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Notre Dame round out the top ten. Clemson is still number 11. That's probably a lot of the preseason model. We try not mm-hmm. to do too much herding statistically where we try to get our model to follow everybody else's. So there are going to be some exemptions to get to get you through the top 20. We have starting at 11, Wake Forest. Hell yeah. Texas A&M, Penn State, <laughs> Texas, Iowa, LSU, Arkansas State, Boise State, Coastal Carolina. Um, a couple of different things that we do. We only add 1.5 points for home team advantage. We only add... Um, or for home field advantage, we only add, um, we have like a 70, 30 in season preseason balance right now. It's 70% what you've done, 30% what your in season priors would be. Uh, our priors model is basically based on a regression of what returning statistics are important. Um, and then we bake that into our in, in season model where we are do using SRS and a bunch of other weighted EPA stats. So, um, in our model, Georgia is currently number one. Arkansas is currently number 18 or 17. Sorry. Yeah. Georgia's one. Arkansas 17. Uh, we have Georgia at 14.2768 net points added average. And we have Arkansas at 7.6303 net points added average. So we have this game is about a seven point game. Our net point differential is about a 6.64 uh, plus 6.64 for UGA. Um, you know, I think that that a tells you that maybe the line is a little bit of an overreaction here. I don't know Mm -hmm. that plus or minus 18 Georgia is really a reflection of anything, but the fact that Las Vegas is overcorrecting for not having cut up in Georgia. Um, You know, you can think about 
if you think about nets points added as defense minus offense, there's a world in which like you double this and you add in an extra point or two for, um, if you, if you double the, both of the, the net point ranks, and then you add in a point or two for Georgia having more home field advantage, you can kind of see where that 18 came from. Um, I think 18 is still maybe a little big, uh, as for what this means for us, for CBC, what we're going to try to do is expand this out into sort of a every season thing where we're maintaining a, a database of overall college football power rankings where we're trying to tune it so that it, you know, uh, hopefully can spit out against the spread picks and then also um, spit out over under picks. Right now, this is picking Arkansas plus the points with UGA to win by about seven. Um, you know, this is something that we wanted to democratize. We want to keep it as open source as possible. Uh, we are going to put our rankings out for everyone. Hopefully I can get, um, I can get Justin to make us a graphic at some point for this. Um, oh. we want to put our, we want to put our rankings out for everyone. One thing that we're going to offer to our, uh, patrons is just, uh, a more involved role in, you know, guiding what we use this for, but also in having access to the full stat sheets. Um, I think sort of the inception for this is that in the past three or four years, we've seen in advanced football metrics, uh, a move a little bit more towards a wall garden. And so we want to release as much as we can and still keep it viable. So we want to release our rankings. We release our numbers. uh, And then we're going to just save some of the more advanced stuff and the under the hood stuff for our patrons. Um, But still, you know, making it affordable for everybody had to have access to it. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything to add for what we're doing here? No, I'm just super excited about it. I mean, I know it did really well for you last week. You were number four overall on Tally Site, industry expert. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited to be able to share it. Yeah. Not that I, it's I hit... something. Yeah. Don't go betting the bank on this. <laughs> That's yeah, not how it works. I mean, look, we're in, we're in beta and I hit 70% last yeah. week on my, you know, I hit a few trifectas and I hit some, maybe some upsets that most people weren't predicting, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 70% is unsustainably good. If we can get this thing to fifty something percent, uh, anything above spread, fifty is, uh, is above we'll average. Feel, we'll feel really good about it. Um, yeah, this is a beta, so we are not really publishing this much outside of uh, the Discord right now. We will put up some rankings just to sort of track and keep ourselves honest. For here's what it says this week. Here's what we got right. Here's what we got wrong, and then mm-hmm. we will keep refining this. Um, I want to say that this is not something that I've been doing alone. I've had a lot of help from uh, two really great users on our Discord, R123More and Ross R, who I will give a tag when we talk about this on Twitter. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you were a stats head, even if you don't like Georgia, that is even more reason to get involved in this. Um, We want, you know, we would like to make advanced college football metrics a little bit more egalitarian, a little bit more open source, and we hope that we can. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So... You want to talk about a little bit of subjective stuff from this game? Yeah. Um, Before I you think, talk about things you want to see? Yeah, I'm going to have some water because I just talked for like 20 minutes about stats. <laughs> uh, I'll tee up here. I mean, this Arkansas team can play defense now, which it could not have been said about mm-hmm. this team yeah. two years ago. Yeah. Before Sam Pittman. Yeah, I mean, Barry Odom is their defensive coordinator. He's a really good defensive coach. Um, mm-hmm. He was really good at Missouri and he got fired for reasons. Um, Yeah, they, I think the idea that this is a hard hitting team that plays good defense is borne out in the stats to this point Mm -hmm. in the season. 
against the 33rd ranked, uh, you know, an above average schedule, they have really lived up to it. Um, yeah. They run the ball on offense. They run the ball well, but they're inconsistent. Yeah. You know, some of their lowest um, metrics are in success rate, right? Explosiveness rate. They're, they're pretty good at EPA. They, they have a lower explosiveness rate. They're okay at success rate. This is an offense that like is going to sound like I'm damning them with fake praise. They're above average at most things. They have too many stuff runs to be a, a super efficient run offense, but they can run the ball with some power. They can run some ball with explosiveness. They can throw for explosiveness. And yeah, they just haven't been as consistent as you would want. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they hit a bunch of explosive plays, but they've also missed a bunch, right? Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, is I there anything it's, else? It's mostly, I mean, yeah, you've said it before, is like this offense runs through KG Jefferson. And so... I think that that is kind of the answer to why it's inconsistent. Not because he's inconsistent, but because if you're playing a team that can contain KJ Jefferson, it makes your offense statistically inconsistent. And on top of that, if you this team is a is a team that wants to run the ball to establish you know the their offense and then throw it afterwards. And so if you're not getting the offense running, then you're not getting the offense passing for Arkansas. Essentially, is what is kind of what it comes down to and what it looks like, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, and, yeah. and I mean, does that kind of make sense for us? Is that kind of the answer to yeah, why yeah. they're inconsistent they, explosive? I think that, you know, I think there's a way to make most college football offenses fall apart. Um, and I think the way that you make, you know, the way you make Arkansas's offense fall apart is that you, sh- you just force them to throw the ball. Like you force yeah. them to throw the ball efficiently, basically. Right. If you take away the run and you make, KJ Jefferson, who's a very good quarterback, but if you make him try to be in, you know, 40 times a throw up uh, a game, you know, if you make him try to throw the ball 50 times a game, like some area quarterback, he's, he's not going to do well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I think basically this is one of the very rare times where, you know, the, the narrative coming in is that this is a top 10 matchup and the, the stats bear that out. I mean, maybe like top 15 matchup, but still the stats bear that out. The narrative coming in about the two teams, the nature of these two teams, and the way they've looked, the stats bear that out. The narrative coming mm-hmm. in about who the important players on the field are, the stats bear that out, right? And so I think this is one of those games that actually might live up to the hype. And I mean by I mean that in the sense that like UGA could win this game big, and all of the things that people have been saying about both of these teams are still true, right? I think that this is a really good Arkansas team. I think there's a chance that maybe this team, Arkansas team, hits its limit this week, but I don't yeah. know that that really little, changes yeah. how good they have been to this point this season, right? And I and I think that this is a team that can beat Georgia, right? I'm I'm not going to predict them to, not to spoil my prediction, but I think this is a team that can win, and you know this is a team that you can't afford to have dumb turnovers against and sort of come out and play like crap at noon, right? Yeah, it's it's definitely a weird line. I'm I'm very confused about the line being as yeah. as big as it is, but also. I don't know. Like, yeah, like our offense has just kind of played lights out. And I, I I fear for this Arkansas team following this week. Not because I think that Georgia is going to like blow the pants off them by any means, but Arkansas has a hell of a season ahead of them. And it starts right now. Yeah, <laughs> like, they, they definitely man. things do not get easier from here for them. So they mm-hmm. have um, they get substantially harder. In fact, they have us. They have Georgia. And then in the weeks after that, they have Georgia October 7th, October 9th, they have Mississippi, so get ready to play defense. October 16th, Auburn, eh, October 23rd, Arkansas Pine Bluff, whatever. Then November 6th, they have 
Mississippi State, uh, LSU, Alabama, Missouri to finish the season. So there's some wins in there, but there's some pretty heavyweight matchups outside of Georgia, right? I mean, you've got to play a team in Mississippi that's going to run, you know, 80 plays or 80. What am I saying? There's going to run like 115 plays against you in Ole Miss. Then you got to come out and do whatever the hell Auburn's trying to do. Then you got to come out two weeks later and do, you know, Miss State, LSU, Alabama. I don't know how good Mississippi State and LSU are, maybe just like average teams, but that is not the two weeks that you don't want to go Death Valley and <laughs> you don't want to go Death Valley, Tuscaloosa mm. in back to back weeks. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. Also, this is a, oh my gosh, poor Arkansas. So Arkansas, they have, <laughs> so I just, I just noticed the home road splits. They have away, away, for, they have Georgia away, Mississippi away, Auburn away, Arkansas Pine Bluff at home, then Miss State away, LSU, Alabama away, Missouri at home to finish the year. So that those Jeez. six games, those six away games, it's like, well, time to see what you're made of. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be real, real hard. Real, real hard. I mean, hard. honestly, I mean, look, they're playing with house money. I think, you know, they got the Arkansas Pine win that they can bank, Pine Bluff win that they can bank, and that, that gives them the five wins. Um, they probably beat Missouri. They probably beat Mississippi State. They could send them to seven. Like they can go two and four in those six away games. They're gonna get. They're gonna go to a bowl, which is like holy crap. That's a big deal for this team. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> They've been to a bowl in many years, many many yeah, and years. I, and, I, and I think they could beat Auburn. I think they could beat LSU. I mean, I think this could be a mm-hmm. nine or ten win team. I don't know that they're quite ready to run with Alabama right now, um, but you know, it's they got a shot. Yeah, they're on their way. That's what it feels yeah. like. So what are some things you want to see? Um, I would like to see a, I mean, from Georgia, you know, we're going to have to complete some deep balls. Um, and sometimes those deep balls are going to have to be yards after the catch. I think, you know, they're going to run a lot of zone against us. And so we're going to have to have some, some zone beaters. We're going to have to have some comebacks. We're going to have to have some, I don't know, just like tight end matchup zone stuff across the middle, some underneath stuff. Um, I think yards after the catch is going to be important more than just like throwing the fade or throwing the tight end seam, which I think we can still do if we get the right matchup. But I think really trying to make that zone defense that they run behind those three down linemen a little bit less sound will go a long way. Um, we got a counter punch. I think this is going to be a game where, you know, Traylon Brooks is a really good, a really good wide receiver. Yep. There's a pretty good chance that he's going to get deep on somebody. And, you know, it, I think you have to be willing to say, okay, they got six points. Now we got to go back out there and answer. Right. Um, I think if this game turns into a horse race, UGA has proven that it can score and score quick on just about anybody at this point in the year, uh-huh. um, except Clemson for some reason. Um, so, you know, I think you are going to take some punches in this game that you haven't taken since the since the the Clemson game, and you have to be ready to punch back. And then finally, mm-hmm. I think you got to get after KJ Jefferson. Look, I don't want anybody to get hurt, and I don't want to play dirty, but like KJ Jefferson is clearly not at 100% right now. He's a running quarterback. You don't want to hurt him. You don't want to take him out of the game. But if he's going to try to run up the middle, he needs to feel it. Yep. I mean, that's what it is. Absolutely. If he's going to hold the ball for three or four seconds, he needs to feel it. And because I think if you get KJ Jefferson rattled, the the sort of the whole Ar- the whole Arkansas offensive game plan starts to fall apart a little. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that's my first thing I want to see is just a healthy and convincing performance from KJ Jefferson because. I don't want there to be any questions going forward as to who this Georgia team is. And I think that KJ Jefferson is going to be, a, he's like going to be a bad dude for as long as he is at Arkansas and then probably past that. Cause 
I can't believe he's a redshirt sophomore and it kind of upsets me, but I'm excited to see what he does, you know, at full strength. And I don't think that he's coming into this game full strength, but this is an Arkansas team with nothing to lose and everything to gain. (laughs) So I will imagine, I can imagine that he's going to come in and try to play lights out just like the rest of this Arkansas team. And I think that under that sort of pressure, you get to see a lot from a team, how they handle that sort of pressure. It, it's kind of a, a, a cultural thing for teams as well, their personalities. But I'm excited to see uh, just just what he can do. Um, you mentioned Traylon Burks already. I just think that we need to keep him contained. You know, our run defense has been lights out, but uh, and they're going to try and t- they're going to have to target Burks because my my last thing I want to see is I want this to be a horse race at the very beginning, like like it has been for Georgia in previous games. I think that if they get out ahead, they're going to have they're going to make KJ Jefferson throw more often than i think he is comfortable it's not the word but more often than they may want him to uh and i think that is Uh part of the keys to victory is continue to contain him on the run we got to get after him we got to get some sacks in and then we want to see what he tries to do downfield but we got to get out ahead enough i think to where it doesn't matter what he does downfield yeah yeah um i agree on all accounts i think you know you, you want to see Arkansas at 100% because I think that UJ can win this game convincingly if Arkansas is 100%, and I don't want to hear people bitching mm-hmm. about it. Um, let's talk about some over-unders. Yeah. Uh, now yes. that I have talked myself into hoarseness. Um, <laughs> over-under 48.5 points scored. That is the over-under for the game. I think it's going to have to be over, right? Like, I, I, well, Feels I, like over I to me. It's over. Feels like over to me. I know these are, these are two big defensive juggernauts, and like that's kind of what we're thinking, but everything that I've kind of talked myself into at this point is like, I think that's just what happens now. Um, And further, like it's wild to think to me just for a moment that Alabama is favored over Ole Miss, just 14 and a half points. And we're favored over a a top eight team, 18 and a half points. So that's an aside. I'm just going to say over still. Yeah. I think it's over because I think that UG, I think UGA is going to continue to be UGA. They're going to that the UGA of this year with a really good pass offense and I think that, you know, there's a pretty good chance that Traylon Burks um, Traylon Burks is going to probably get a big one, right? KJ Jefferson is going to yeah. get a big one. Um, so I'm going to say over as well. Uh, hit me one. So this one's actually from Bro Broma. Bro Broma. Uh, <laughs> it's a double over under. Two and a half Darnell inter- uh, receptions and 0.5 Tyke interceptions. So two and a, a half Darnell receptions, 0.5 Tyke interceptions. Is it a parlay if we do it as an over-under, or are we doing two separate ones? I'm taking 2.5 <laughs> over on Darnell, under on Tyke. Uh-huh. Um, not because I don't think Tyke can have a pick. I think he very well could. But I just think it, it's inconceivable to me that 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 Darnell doesn't get um, three three receptions. Like, I, I just – yeah. even with Brock Bowers taking some of his receptions, I think they're going to target him. I think they're going to target him often. And even if they're just like weaning him back into the offense, I think that he's going to get at least three looks at it. Do you think this is a game like what was the scenario in which we we fall back to like OG Georgia and just run the ball a bunch this game? What are the um, chances? Well, I think we're going to try. And uh-huh. I think one of the reasons that it could happen is if we, it, you know, right now, uh, Arkansas is very good on defense, but. You know, one of the things that we might try against them is to try to pop some balls deep. Um, they mm-hmm. are the 34th ranked explosiveness rank defense, right? 
Um, their pass EPA is fifth, but 34th in explosiveness. And then 20th, or sorry, uh, 17th in rush EPA. So to me, that says they're they're not giving up. They're not giving a much up on a down to down basis, but they've surrendered some big plays. Uh, and I think in a world where you can find, I think that when UGA can find matchups where they have six or seven in the box, they can run effectively. I don't mm-hmm. think UGA can run effectively against eight in the box because not many teams do, and that's just not the strength of this team anymore. They have a much more athletic offensive line than they have in years past. Um, yeah. So I think one way that we see UGA go back to old UGA is if it's just the matchup tells us that we should, right? Who I think it's going to be just like counting men in the box, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I only asked that to say that's probably one of the few scenarios I see in which Darnell does not get targeted more mm-hmm. than two and a half times. Um, I'm saying under, though, just because coming off an injury, big dude, he's probably going to be covered pretty effectively. Um, and for Tyke Smith, I'm going to say over because I think the opposite is is the case, is that Arkansas will probably be trying to hit his coverage area, uh, and he might come back with something mm-hmm, to answer that. Mm-hmm. I can you know. see that, yeah. 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 What's yours? All right. Over under 325 yards passing from JT Daniels. Oh, baby. That's more that than half be, what he has already. That would be his high on the year. That would he be his high on the year. Mm-hmm. I think I foresee him having somewhere around like 200-ish yards, 225. So I'm going to say under. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say over. I kind of think – I don't think that this Arkansas defense is um, overrated. I think they mm-hmm. did just play a team that was playing its backup quarterback, and that made their stat, that's made their stats look better than they maybe are. I think this is probably uh-huh. like not the eighth ranked defense in the nation, but like the 15th or something. Um, I think, I just think, I have a feeling JT Daniels is going to have a big day. I think that this is going to be sort of a um, a mini coming out party for him. And I, I just, he just looks composed right now. He looks like he knows how to run the whole offense. And yeah, sure, he's played Vandy or whatever. But I mean, like, he does not look like he did in the Clemson game right now to me. He no. looks like a guy who knows, I mean, who knows what's going on. He who had, is not. Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously, but he knows where to, <laughs> he knows where to throw the ball at all times. He knows the right read. And he, right now he's executing those reads at an elite level. So, yeah. Okay. Next one over and under over under uh three and a half Georgia explosive plays. I ask this just because that's roughly our average for the past few games as far as just purely explosive plays. Like, we've got plenty of yards, but it's been through less than explosive plays for the most part. And so yeah. where do you think we sit there? Uh, I'm going to say over. Uh-huh. I think that... I think this game is going to be... I, I took the over on points, and I think this game is going to be not... If not a track meet, then... Uh, maybe a touch more, um, you know, a touch more of scoring than people think. Yeah. If that makes sense. So I, yeah. I, I'm going to take, I'm going to say over because I think UGA is going to have some explosive plays as is Vandy. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm going with over as well. Just thinking that I don't think there's any in between for this game. I think it's either a lot of points, like a surprising amount of points, or it's going to be a lower scoring game with like, uh, combined score of maybe around 40. Uh, what's your last one? Over under two and a half UGA sacks. Over, baby. It's got to be. 
Yeah, they are the 46th ranked Havoc ranked surrendered offense. Uh, but yeah, you got to believe. I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm I all in. I can't support this. There's no, <laughs> there's no world where I'm like, yeah, no, uh, I can, I absolutely can support this to you, uh, on the, you know, just on the merits. But I'm just telling you, like, I, I just, I don't know who blocks them, man. I don't. Yeah. I, I really, I really don't know who can block this team for for four quarters. Off, uh, no. maybe Arkansas, but we'll see. I mean, I know this is the like 28th ranked offense per SP plus. It is the uh, defensively Arkansas per SP plus. They're 17th right now, but I don't. I, I mean, I think that there's just not there aren't many offensive lines who can block this team. And three, I know feels like a lot, but two feels like a lock to me. And if I have to stretch, I'm going to stretch up with these with this defense in terms of sacks. I mean, try seven against Clemson. So I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> feels I, good, man. They have a much better offensive line than Clemson does. Absolutely. And I actually think if I was like putting money on it, I would take under. But um, since I'm not, and because this is just all about vibes. Um, this I'm is a Georgia podcast. Yeah, this is a Georgia, Georgia podcast. podcast. <laughs> Some, sometimes you got to ride the vibes. Sometimes you write. Sometimes you're part of creating an advanced statistical power rank metric. And sometimes it's just all vibes, baby. And right now it's all vibes, baby. <laughs> it's all vibes, baby. Hey, come on yeah. in. It's all vibes, baby. That's just all yeah, vibes. See, you're wearing in red and black. That's all red and black vibes. vibes, baby. All vibes. Hey, oops, all, all oops, all vibes. Oops, all vibes. Yeah, that's how we do it. Like we're we're like Captain Crunch in the Berry Factory. Like we don't give a shit. Three sacks. Let's I do it. I tipped the box. Poured it in my bowl. Yeah, it's all vibes. Oh, no. oh shit. Think about it. Uh, over under point five, Arkansas. Have you done? I'm trying to look at the way that Arkansas is spelled, and every time I look at it, it looks wrong. Every single oh. time. I just had like Arkansas. The, the, yeah, it's Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas is. I just the had way. like the the like the most intense brain fart because of that. Anyway, point five Arkansas fumbles lost. Uh, I bring this up because they have they have fumbled, uh, but they have not lost one. They have fumbled six times in the season. Not a single one has been lost. Do you think that this uh, increased pressure on KJ Jefferson that we're both kind of hoping for? and partially expecting will be the end of that run. Shit. I don't know. I mean, there's the vibes pick, but I'm going to say unders just because <laughs> I, it can't all be vibes. It can't, it can't all be vibes, baby. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be subversive and I'm, I'm riding the vibes, ride these vibes over one, one, one fumble loss. I think it's more likely to be an interception, but no, yeah. it's all vibes. I, I, I can see it. Back on the vibes. All right, so paint me a picture for this prediction. Oh boy, I have, I've gone around in circles on this. Um, all right, I'll start by saying I think UJ wins this game. Yes, I, I, I think you know there are people who are talking about like, is this 2017 Ole Miss or sorry, Miss State, where Miss State comes in highly ranked, it's Dan Mullen's last team, Mississippi State. I think they've got Nick Fitzgerald on that team. Um, they come out and Jake Fromm and Georgia just dropped 30. And I think it was 30 to nothing. Right. And mm-hmm. so that, that is a, a, an often point of comparison. I don't think this is quite that. I think that this is probably a more complete and talented team than Arkansas or than, than Mississippi state was if only because of the, the, the just depth of experience on that team. And because frankly, uh, Sam Pittman is a better recruiter now than, Dan Mullen was at Arkansas that, or at Mississippi State. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's going to be 30 nothing. I think it's going to be a close game. 
might even be a close game through three quarters. Um, yeah. And I and I think this is a game where UGA probably scores like 31 points, 28, 31, something like that. And I think UGA wins but doesn't cover. So I'm going to say UGA 31. CBCPR has this at a seven-point game, so that would be like Arkansas 24. I think that's a uh-huh. little high. So I think I would probably say like UGA 31, Arkansas 20. It's like an 11-point game. Um, mm. I could see Arkansas 23-24 too. I think we're looking at like a 7 to an 11-point game. I think it's going to look close for a lot of the time. And I think that UGA is going to take control at some point. And then, you know, I know it's shocking to be like, whoa, a team scores 20 against this team. Um, to this point, Arkansas has the best offense that we've played uh, yep. on the year. And so, I mean, you're going to start giving up. You're going to you're going to give up some points eventually. So I'm going to say 31-20. I was 34-20. I'm, but are, are you just you know what I say? Now? I'm vibing just out, vibes. baby. Just <laughs> I'm vibes. The vibes. You yeah, got you, my vibes. You gassed me up. You got to ride. Vibes. You got to ride vibes sometimes, man. You got to get gassed mm, up. My belly is like, so full of vibes right now. Yeah, you just gotta you gotta uh, get your LED lights hooked <laughs> up, and then you gotta make a, a, a get one of those big TikTok noises or TikTok sound bites, and just go ham on it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's how it works. Vibes, baby. I do think this just is a vibes. game where we finally get to <laughs> test our. <laughs> we finally get to to remind the world that we got some uh, world class kickers, and so we'll get a couple field goals. I think we. I think they'll they'll stop us when it matters a few times. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll still get some field goals in. Uh, it'll be fine. We'll get up. Um, I think I think we'll stay up is the thing. I think we're going to get 41-20. We're going to make that spread. I need them to make the spread because that would be fantastic. I love I love noon games because you get in. It's like day drinking. You know, you get in, you get your things done, check it off the list. You have the rest of the day after that. You can even take a nap. The sky's the limit. But with a night game, you just go to bed after that. I'm too fucking hyped after that. But mm-hmm. noon game, I can ride the vibes all weekend long and through the rest of Saturday. So 4120, baby. Straight to the moon. All right. Ask CBC. You ready for some questions? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've gone into a deep, uh, a deep focus, a deep slumber elsewhere. Uh, no, I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready. You, you've got me gassed up on the vibes, too. Gas this baby up. If you would like to hear your questions answered on the show, be sure to get them to us uh, through Twitter, Gmail, even pocket paper has been a thing that has happened to Nathan. If you see Nathan, throw that Several thing in his pocket. Several pocket papers. Several pocket papers. So first question comes yes. from Andrew, De- Andrew Indelicato. Have you ever been to a pig roast and best pork dish? Not a question, just a statement. <laughs> just a statement. Best pork dish. I... Uh, Yes, I, uh, my, 100%, um, yeah. yes, I have been to a pig roast. My wedding uh, rehearsal dinner was a pig roast and it was a catered dinner where the main dish was a wild boar that my dad had killed that they, Jeez. the caterer, uh, barbecued into pulled pork. It was very good. That's incredible. I have yeah. been to several pig roasts as well. They are always yeah. good. I love them. Yeah. Always it's good. a little um, bit jarring, but they're delicious. Yeah. So this favorite pork dish i mean i just so i'm honestly like pulled pork from butt like i mean yeah, i don't think yeah. it's hard to beat that i mean i i, I love some carnitas i love some mm. pupusas with pork um but it's just hard to beat pulled pork man american styled slow roasted 
not roasted, but slow barbecued, slow kicked, slow and low pulled pork. I want chorizo in everything. Chorizo and eggs. Chorizo is very cheese, good. Chorizo and empanadas, tacos, mm-hmm. you name mm-hmm. it. I will say we started making, uh, surprisingly easy also, we started making schnitzel, which is just mm. like crusty. like uh, like uh, I don't know what that is. It's like a pan-seared pork chop, essentially, and you kind of throw a little bit of like, uh, like a breading on the outside. It's great. It's super good. Lightly fried. Uh, it's awesome. You should try it. Yeah, love it. That's, that's, that sounds pretty good. Speaking I love pork of food, chops. Just an aside, uh, I told Anna last night that you said that I, I asked her if she knew that Sam didn't like pizza, and Anna's eyes got huge, like super wide, and she was like, last time Sam was over here, we ate pizza. <laughs> yeah well that's not like a problem it's just well know. i know it's not a problem it's more of like a just knowing sam and knowing her personality and it was like i think she probably she would, just suffered through it because she's sam yeah suffered she would never pizza, which is a thing i've never said never out in a single never in her single life would she ever in her entire life would she ever <laughs> throw people off like that yeah <laughs> next question ian boatman uh best guesses for college game day celebrity guest picker Hmm. they've been going really hard on taste of the town lately like it's been a thing and they've incorporated it much more into the show and so i wonder if they're going to do any sort of chef because we got great chefs um you know we do i i'm worried it's that not it's the same be show somebody there are a lot of really cool options mm-hmm. um who's in town next weekend that's the real question. there are a lot of really cool options but i worry that it's going to just be like a Georgia fan who is a country music singer and I like some country music singers. Um, but I mean, like, I I don't know. I mean, Goldberg would be like my pick if, if, if we got to do, if we got to do anybody, right. Um, that'd be awesome. I, I love Goldberg. Um, he went to UGA, he played football and didn't he play football at UGA? Am I going crazy? Yeah. He played UGA. He played football. Yeah. Yeah, Goldberg. I mean, you can always do some. Um, oh God, who's Good Eats? The guy who does Good Eats. I'm going crazy. Alton Brown. Alton Brown is Alton always Brown. Good one. Be a good one. Alton yeah. Brown is. I don't think he's going to show up though because he is still very, very much on the I'm staying at home COVID train. Like, hey, he good for him. His home. Good for right him. Now. Yeah, good for yeah. him. I just don't think he's going to leave his house. Like, uh, if I had the money to not leave my house, my ass would be at home. Oh, absolutely. I don't know who it could be though. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's probably. Gonna I mean, be some I'm getting, I'm getting a full, be uh, football player. I'm getting like a, uh, I'm getting a strong like Zach Brown feel. Although you know, uh, Matt Stafford's having a really good season this year. That'd be pretty cool. They I doubt call he would him. come out. He wouldn't come out like the day before an, an NFL game, but no. that'd still be pretty cool. That'd be really cool. Keith Schroeder, how scared should we be of a Wampin TM TM TM? Um, we're not scared of a Wampin. And a Wampin is the term that every day should be Saturday uses to refer to what Arkansas does. The teams where they just play really aggressively and it's just, they're like good old boys, Sam Pittman, which first of all, I'm not making fun of that. That shit's amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm fully in a hundred percent love it, but uh, no, like we are the one who wamps. like don't, (laughs) we are the one like that. We are, we are, we are the, like, you're not trapped in this womp. You're not trapped in this like womp pit with us. Like we dug (laughs) this womp pit. Like, you don't get to make fun of Georgia for doing man ball and recruiting a thousand five stars for 10 years and then like act like that some other team is going to come in here and out like posture us. Mm-hmm. You have like, yeah. you, you have one guy named Bumper Pool. Jordan Davis on a bad day wants Bumper Pool. 
Like I who, love so like, much that his like, name is Bumper but, Pool also. Yeah, Bumper Pool's a great name. But like back alley fist fight, you take your first five, we take our first five. Who wins? Uh, we mm. don't need five. Jalen mm. Carter, see you later. That's good. He'll take your first five. It's fine. <laughs> Dunzo. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't Next like question. I don't know. I'm not even, you know what? Hey, if George Pickens, if his knees healed up enough for a back alley ass whipping, put George Pickens out there. That dude oh, yeah. throws hands. You better fill your hands, you whomping son of a bitch, thinking you can whomp on us. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Joel asks, if you could compare key players on this UGA team to daily driver electronics or gadgets, what would they be? Uh, I think that Brock Bowers, Brock Bowers, I, I, I actually, I was actually thinking about this one, but I think Brock uh-huh. Bowers is that it's like, he's like a portable battery. He's like that. He's like that the gadget that you're like, oh, this is kind of a gimmick. And then you start using it and you're like, nope, th- I'm using this forever. Oh, you know what he is? <laughs> he is the thing in your car that you use, to, like the dash mount for your phone on your car where you get it. And oh, you're like, this is yeah. an ass seen on TV BS. And then you're like, I cannot live without this. This is my security blanket. I must have <laughs> I like it. Your, I like your battery, though, because that, that's the sort of thing where it's not a thing you use. It's not actually a thing you use every day, but it's a thing that when you need it, it's there. And you're like, oh, yeah, I have that. Like when we were like, who will catch the ball this season? And we were like, oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> like he'll catch the ball. <laughs> who else do you have? Um, I would say that JT Daniels is like uh, your leather, uh, your vintage like vegan leather phone case, you know, that has some like weird 70s imprint on it or whatever. Mm hmm. <laughs> he, I mean, he's just cool as shit, you know. He's like, he's yeah. like epic tier cool. Have you seen come across your Facebook feed uh, that ad for JT in? Uh, it's like yeah, back quarters. Yeah, I like it, but it's a really bad angle. Like they got the the lowest angle they could. Yeah, on a day like, that he just shaved. Uh, let's get let's get this guy's chin. <laughs> let's get the bottom side. I want to see the bottom side of his chin. Not many people see it because he's upright too often. But here we yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Steven asks, this might be too late, but how does it feel to just not be nervous about a big game? That's where I'm at now. Uh, I mean, pretty good. I, I don't know if I would say I'm not nervous about this game. Um, I'm nervous about every game, and I think uh-huh. every game is going to be the death of me. But yeah, I mean, as big games go, I have pretty big confidence. I, I, I basically, how does it feel? I don't know what to do with my hands. That's how it feels. I basically feel like this defense travels anywhere, and like, I also especially feel if it's like, do you want to have this game in a back alley where we both have had half a bottle of real moonshine, not that bullshit, uh-huh. just sugar water from the store? Like, I feel real good about UGA in that spot. Christy in London. He's got some big ones. Let's see. Let's check it out. Let's check it out. Maybe too general a question, but to what extent do teams play badly because they are bad teams? And to what extent do teams play badly because their opponents make them play badly? I'm sure you'll all uh, have answered this earlier in the preview, but if not... Uh, what does Georgia have to do to make Arkansas play badly? We do. Um, we had we did answer that second part, right? I think we, you know, we said the you first make one KJ Jefferson throw. Bandy. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that the there's an axiom that like good teams destroy bad teams, and I think so. I think you know, if you watch that game against, uh, if you watch that game against Vandy, it's like yes, is Vandy bad? Absolutely, but is Vandy 62 to nothing bad? No. Right. And so I think that really good teams making bad teams play badly is just really a margin of victory thing more than it is a when it is like a, I don't know, a thing that has to be. Um, yeah. 
he has, a, has an addendum here. Uh, an extra question for us. Georgia's strength of schedule started off at the very top after one match and is down to 20 or 35, depending on your source. After four matches by the natural, natural ebb and flow of our schedule, what will our strength of schedule look like after the next four matches? And more to the point, after a conference championship game. Say we end up 12-1 and on the borderline for CFP. Uh, I mean, I given that we faced... Go ahead. Yep. You get it. You get the question. Yeah, I, I think that it's probably going to be in the 50s for the rest of the time because outside of Arkansas and Florida... I mean, I think once you play Florida, you get back into the top 20, but then you got to play Georgia Tech and Charleston Southern. If, you're, if we're using the ELS model of like expected losses for an exceptional team... Um, I mean, I don't think that matters. I also just want to point out that I love Christy from London. He's a very interesting guy. And I also really love it. He refers to our games as matches. And I'm not making fun of him. And I don't want him to stop. I think it's amazing. <laughs> please do that forever. Uh, Ryan asks, can we bring back Borderline Erotic, please? We haven't actually said that often in this season. Yeah, we haven't. I don't know. I, I got so caught up in the, in the whole, like, fill your hands, you womp and son of a bitch that I... That and atomizing was a thing you brought in and said it a atomizing, bunch. Atomizing. Um, atomizing. Borderline erotic is like that's just such Brett Bielema stuff, and like I love I love Sam Pittman too much to put that on him. I will say that I will say that about things unrelated to football. I will be honest. Mm-hmm. Eric Russell, at what point do teams try to stop the UJ pass instead of the run? Uh, well, I think after last week, yeah, they're going to. <laughs> I Probably think you need saw to be. Van. I think you saw Vandy put eight in the box at the beginning of the, of the beginning of the thing and be like, well, we can't stop the run either, so let's try to stop the pass. That didn't work either, but I think that. Um, especially this team is sort of built to stop the deep pass. So I think that's, you're going to see it this, this week. Uh, are you ready? Schematically. Yeah. For the next segment, it's Yara's rage against the machine. I was really wanting to, I want to, I feel like I need to like, I need to just yell these questions at you. Mm-hmm. Usually I, I, I read mm-hmm. them pretty fast because I feel like that matches their energy a little bit, but I feel mm-hmm. like they just need to mm-hmm. be like, but uh, I'll do my best. I have a hard time being angry. Great news. Have recovered from pharyngitis. Bad news. Now have sinus infection. Double ear infection. How to get better soon. <laughs> um, take, take better care of yourself. Damn. <laughs> get, get some rest. Drink a lot of fluids. I think people do not. People vastly underhydrate when they're sick. I would just be mainlining mm-hmm. Gatorade and Pedialyte if I were you. Um, you know, there's no secret to it, man. Just like take care of yourself. Right. If you don't feel good. Most important <clears> thing you can do take care of yourself and you know screw the rest of them whatever feels yeah. good to you when you don't feel well is the thing that you should be doing and you know what um ev- everybody else gets a wampin zinc <laughs> zinc and vitamin c also is very good i'll add yes zinc's quick and wampin. make sure you do take it with food went to nashville game where we promptly kicked vandy's ass summarize your game day experience from home in three words um cereal coffee whiskey can we get a petition to change the game time to 3.30 or something? Because this 12 p.m. kickoff is not it. Seriously, though, what should I look out for at the game this weekend if I am better by then? And what do I say so I sound like I know what I'm talking about in front of other people? Well, I would just put in, put a Bluetooth in and take out all of the curses and the dumb shit that I say and then use the, the stuff that, says, that seems smart. You know mm, I mean? Yes. I mean if you want to sound really smart, I think you want to talk about how like KJ Jefferson is a guy who can throw the deep ball, but isn't an efficient passer. And if you can force him into efficiency situations that he looks way worse. And then I also think you want to look at, you know, using the words gap sound run fits. When we talk about run defense, that's going to be really important for UGA's run defense. Like if you just want some, mm-hmm. like if you want some keywords to throw in there, say EPA a lot, EPA, just, just yeah. a, a bunch, just drop People, it into every EPA, conversation. EPA is like the word vinyl for hipsters. 
<laughs> it's like we're a different kind of hipster and epa is like our vinyl i've learned though that i cannot like it it, it is a an instant non-starter to bring stats into a casual football conversation because this weekend again people are like usually when i'm with friends and somebody knows about chapel bell curve they're like oh justin has a podcast about football and somebody's like oh yeah tell me about blah 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 and i start talking about blah 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 and they're like I didn't really want to know about that at all. I didn't realize that was See, actually I'm, what you were going to go I'm into. I'm always trying to get the freaks in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just go for it anyway. And it's like, well, you weren't ready. No, yeah, when they're never ready. Mind, well, it's like, you, yeah, a lot of them aren't. But like when their mind is ready to be enlightened, you'll be there <laughs> to enlighten back. them. Yeah, you there. know what I mean? Like, But for now, I'll carry you in the sand. I yeah. love how we, we always somehow get back to the Jesus metaphor. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. It's weird, man. <laughs> Uh, what's your college football podcast like? Well, there's a lot of Jesus stuff, strangely enough. It's not Christian, not Jesus. I mean, I, I feel like I I was someone who, like, the language that I use and my artistic style and my sort of even cadence is just incredibly influenced by the sort of, like, modern um, Protestant church, right? And so oh, there's absolutely. pretty much no escaping that. Like, and finally, yeah. got my roommate's best friend, Kaylee, into the dogs. What do I tell them about the first? About the, the first? I oh, added the an article. What do I tell them first? <laughs> oh, what do I tell them first? Um, uh, being in love with the dogs is about, like, just being very Buddhist. Uh, well, no, it's not even Buddhist. It's Taoist. It's about Tao Te Ching. It's the Tao Te Ching. It's about the way and the path and just understanding, again, our, it's, a, yeah, it's about understanding that, you know, the universe has created a path for you and that you are on it. And if you get too fixated on the end of the path, you will miss the beauty of the path. Right. And so, you know, you have to be, I think it's like the vinegar thing, the three vinegars, right? The Buddha, the um, Lao Tzu and Confucius uh, taste vinegar. And, you know, Lao Tzu says it's bitter and the Buddha says it's sour. And then, or sorry, Confucius says it's bitter. The Buddha says it's sour and Lao Tzu says it's sweet. You have to taste the sweetness in the vinegar. And also, if you like this podcast, you should be reading more Far Eastern um, philosophy. Mm. That's all I have. Finally, uh, we have some late-breaking James Bearfield Troll Corner questions presented by Cheerwine. It's the wine that gives about oh, diabetes. Man. He slipped these in under TMT, the TMT. wire. He sure did. Is Darnell and Bowers too powerful, like having two Infinity Stones? Well, clearly not, because Thanos got all six. No, mm-hmm. it's not too powerful. We we need four more before we can do yes, what we need to give do, us all break of them, the curse. Please. Before we can Should turn I the curse of por- nineteen eighty oh. to dust. Sorry, go please, ahead. Please, please. My body is ready. Should I roast a pork butt this weekend as a warning to all pigs in America? <laughs> yes. Yes, that is amazing. <laughs> you stay out of my it way, pigs. That's very good. <laughs> so this is also good. Uh these have all been numbered. So question three and the next question is question five. There is no question four. question three. Is Good. this a stats focused podcast or a questions focused podcast? This is a stats focused podcast, but this is a podcast that is very Taoist in its uh, aesthetics and choices about organization. Also mm-hmm. you freaks are the weirdos. Don't blame this on us. I didn't do this. Yeah. <laughs> I we, remember you did this to us. We didn't do this to you. Yeah. There was one time I, uh, that we were kind of talking about, like, what else should we put in the show? Maybe we should ask the people that are listening. Maybe we should ask them to give us questions. And here we and are. We thought, <laughs> we thought, seriously, though, we thought that we were going to get, like, one question a week. And it was going to be really sad and depressing that it was, like, from one of our wives every week. And now mm-hmm. it's, like, 
it's like, hey, hit us with your Ask CBC question. And it's like all of these eyes in the in the, the forest pop up, you know, all the like golden monster eyes. And it's like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, would you be a better offensive or defensive coordinator and why? I mean, look, I think big man syndrome makes you think that I'd be a D coordinator. I think I'd be a badass offensive coordinator. I don't think I'd be a very good defensive coordinator. Yeah, I I think I'd be a better offensive coordinator than defensive coordinator if I had to choose just because, I don't know, just my personality tends to be more so. Uh, it, it's less about hurry up and wait and more about go, go, go. So I think that's kind of where um, I'm at. I think I'm a sociopath. And that I have the <laughs> correct tendencies for an, you know, like what a really good offensive tour coordinator is like, I'm going to peel the wings off of this team just to see mm-hmm. how it suffers and squirms. And it doesn't mean anything to me. And that means that if they can't black the counter, if they can't stop us on the counter. I'm going to call counter 38 times because that's the kind of man <laughs> I am. I think that's I have a little bit of I'm that bringing. in me. Yeah. I think yep. I'm ready to be like, Hey, you can't stop flood. You can't slot flood to the wide zone. Well, I'm going to run it 35 times. Get ready. <laughs> that's for you. All right. And that's our show. Do you want to uh, take us out? Yeah, I do. Man, our, our video froze again. At least we're smiling. Well, you're kind of smirking. There it is. It's back. It's weird. Uh, I don't know why it's, it's doing so that. Back. Yeah, I don't know why it's doing it either. All right. No, so that's just it's a hobby. We this, do. Been, this is a hobby. This has been, yeah, this <laughs> This is a, a professional football podcast. Um, it's not a football. It's not a podcast about professional football. It is a professional podcast about football. There it is. N- not really. Um, it, none of the, none <laughs> of the, no part of that modifier is true. It is not professional. It's not about football. It's barely a podcast. So this has been Chapel Bell Curve. This is the part where we ask you for money. Uh, you can find us on <laughs> iTunes, Google Play, or pretty much everywhere you can subscribe to a podcast, including Spotify. You can get in touch with us on Facebook by searching Chapel Bell Curve by email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com and on Twitter and Instagram at chapelbellcurve. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can please leave us a rating and a, re- a review on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere else that we can amass uh, imaginary internet clout. If you love today's episode, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash chapelbellcurve. For as little as $1 a month, you can support the podcast, join our growing community on Discord. It is weirder than you think it is. Uh, yep. We will catch you in the Classic City this weekend, bright and early. Get there early. Stay there the whole time. Make traffic awful for everyone. <laughs> but until then, go, go dogs. dogs.